Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Wouldn't it be great to, to start a journey into healing? Healing both your body, your mind, bring you freedom from discomfort. I love the way she puts this, dis-ease as well. Uh, and just have a better sense of physical, emotional, and mental health. Well, that is truly possible when you work with her. She is a medical intuitive and a practitioner of craniosacral therapy and so, so much more. And she's back with us. Ingrid Bocci is on the program. Ingrid, welcome. How are you doing today? Hi there, Steve. I'm doing just great. Good to hear your voice. Oh, you too. You too. And we learn so much every time we talk with you. Today, we're going to dig deeper into the goal of a session. When somebody works with you, what the goals are, or let's call it the, the, the perceived goals are. Um, where does it all start? So, um, so I'm a, an educator from way back. I just want to remind people of that. So I was a philosophy professor, and, and I've taught a lot of workshops around the world. And so part of my orientation is always educational. What's a person going to learn from this that they can take away and they can use? So even though I'm in many ways what's called a body worker, even with body work, the, uh, my goal is not just to treat somebody and have them feel better, let's say, um, but rather to have them understand something about themselves so that they can have an aha experience, learn something that helps them heal on a physical, emotional, or spiritual level, and move on with their lives. So let me get concrete and tell you how that works, because I have people coming to me with a lot of different kinds of issues. So, for example, um, uh, when I deal with people on Zoom, uh, sometimes I'll have somebody with uh, um, a chronic pain issue contact me on Zoom. And um, so I had one woman contact me. She had chronic leg pain, and she couldn't horseback ride anymore. She was in her 50s. She felt like, you know, I'm getting old too early, you know, I'm in pain all the time, I can't move my legs properly. And I looked at her and talked to her, and I realized that she was carrying her body in a way that would create a sway back, and the sway back in turn would um, put a lot of pressure on her hips, which in turn could feed down her legs. So I had her um, stand in different positions while we're on Zoom and just practice dropping her chest and tucking her, her, her pelvis so that she could feel what being better aligned as opposed to really over-curved might look like. And I gave her some exercise with that. And the, the, the point of this was that she never knew that she had a real bad sway back, or if she did know that she had a sway back, she didn't know that it was causing her problems. She never knew that she was hiking up her chest in the way, by the way, a lot of people, a lot of women do, uh, in order to show their bust, but actually it can cause a lot of damage to your spine. So she never knew that. So she had had this pain for five or six years, and uh, she had she did two sessions with me. She practiced in between just dropping her chest and tucking her pelvis, um, and the pain went away, and she's back to horseback riding. So that's a case of an insight where I'm not just doing something to somebody. I'm showing them how the way they're living in their body is causing a problem for them, and then they can work, and, and then giving some tools, and then they can work it out uh, for themselves. You know, that's kind of one example. Um, 
Another uh, example from uh, somebody completely different is uh, a gentleman who came to me aware that he was um, he was newly retired and uh, he, he had become aware that he was somewhat combative with his wife and that that was bothering him. And we talked about the fact that he, um, he had been in a, f- a field which required a lot of feisty energy and now he was in a different place in his life. And then I showed him how through breathing and deep relaxation he could notice that combative streak coming up in him because whenever we get argumentative it's a visceral change as well so I had him learn how to feel the visceral change and how to say well that's uncomfortable for me and how to drop away from it and it's completely changed his relationship with his wife and and more significantly in some ways it's changed his own relationship to himself so he's much more balanced and happy but again it was something that he could he could get insight about himself and about what he was doing that was actually an old habit that wasn't helping him uh, anymore. Then I have, you know, another completely different type of example would be uh, somebody who comes in with uh, low energy, chronically low energy. And if I work with them, I might notice that their breathing pattern is very restricted, which, which by the way, is the case for, I'd say, at least 85% of the population uh, in this country. Normal uh, breathing, in other words, healthy breathing, you'd be breathing between uh, four and a maximum of 10 breaths a minute. And I've had, it's very common for people to breathe between 20 and 30 breaths a minute. And that's an indication of very, very restricted energy and a lot of tension. So... In this case, for example, just showing somebody, just showing the the person how to breathe more deeply, they go back home, they notice their energy improves, they also notice that they're much calmer and that they can deal with um, situations that they confront much more readily, and then that gives them tools for improving their lives and also uh, tools for getting interested in moving forward with the kind of self-transformative self-transformational process that I'm interested in where I really want uh, to help people uh, help people be emotionally and physically and mentally at their top uh, at their peak level rather than living as so many of us do under intense chronic stress so that's just two ex- uh, three examples Wow uh, do you find that, that happens quite often when somebody goes to you thinking that they're trying to achieve one thing, but it turns out that it's something else, or they're trying to call it fix something, but what they thought was the problem wasn't. It's totally something else causing the problem. Um, (laughs) Great question, Steve. I find that a lot. Um, I find, uh, you know, first of all, I think I've mentioned to you in a past session that often when people come with chronic pain, they actually have, the chronic pain is actually masking an emotional issue. So the tension within the body and the, the pain of the suppressed emotion is being somatized uh, and reflected in a physical issue where if they can address the emotional issue, the pain, the dis-ease, whether it's gastrointestinal or spinal, um, muscle thing, neurological, will basically just... Uh, dissolve and actually the more with this kind of body work the more in touch you become with your body the more able you become to 
master your own uh, physical issues rather than going constantly to doctors or to mm. emergency rooms for one thing or another that arises. So most people suffer as, as life goes on from chronic issues. We all have infectious diseases and so on. But your average person uh, in our society suffers from chronic issues, which are very often um, manageable or preventable if you get deeply in touch with your body and learn deep systems of relaxation, learn how, learn how the emotions are affecting your body. So yes, I have a lot of people uh, coming to me with um, uh, you know problems, presenting problems that are not the underlying problem. I also have um, people coming to me thinking that uh, they have one problem when it's really they're looking for something else. What what I what I mean by that is that you know I'm in a field where my my goal is to help reach help people reach peak potential. Now most people are not at their peak potential, but learning to be in your peak potential is a physiological, emotional, and mental change. So you're literally, if you want to enhance your own potential, you literally have to be introduced to new physical, emotional, or mental states. So one of the things I do when I get on the, get somebody on the table, for example, is to invite them into deeper self-awareness, deeper physiological relaxation, uh, deeper consciousness of their own emotional states, so that they can actually change. So those things are not, the, the individual is not necessarily conscious of that initially because um, their habits or their lifestyle or the stress of their lifestyle or all the demands that are made on them have locked them into a kind of prison of uh, behavior patterns and they don't know how to get out of them. Once you introduce them to new behavior patterns or to new uh, ways of feeling, then they can find their way out. I find it fascinating, Ingrid, that somebody can go to you for something and you just looking at them can assess there could be a problem somewhere else. It's, it's pretty Yeah, pretty well, I'll, I'll tell you. So first of all, let me j just say that uh, when you learn something like craniosacral therapy, and I'm sure this is true of some other forms of body work as well, but certainly is true of craniosacral therapy. You're learning how to use both your hands and your eyes to see patterns in the body. Now, most people aren't trained in that, and anybody can do it if they're trained, but most people don't, uh, aren't trained to see that. It's kind of like having a, a kind of x-ray vision. Um, you can use your eyes and your hands in a way where they will tell you what's going on in the body, and and then what happens when you've been doing this kind of thing for a while is somebody walks in the door and you can tell without having your hands on them. Or, you know, for somebody like me, because I've been doing this kind of work for so long, I've developed a lot of uh, intuitive capacities so somebody can call me on the phone for a session or set up a Zoom session and I can uh, focus on them and pick it up that way. You know, intuition is to a large extent, a function, the ability to develop intuition is a function of two things. One, one, you have to be very interested in the field that you want to be intuitive about. And two, you have to uh, develop a tremendous kind of inner calm in order to be able to, it's kind of like picking up radio signals, you know. You have to, or having astute hearing, you have to be able to hear, so you have to calm yourself enough inwardly to be able to pick that up. 
But again, these are abilities that, uh, you know, uh, teachers throughout the centuries have talked about the, um, the fact that these abilities are available, but that most people uh, aren't interested in learning them. We all get caught up in everydayness. And, you know, because my interest is really in, um, I guess, my old interest basically der- deriving from my college teaching and my philosophy teaching is uh, what are we here for ultimately and how do we optimize uh, what we are and what our experience is, which also ends up meaning how do we optimize being actually content in the life we live in a world which is pretty crazy these days. Hmm. Why don't we go over some of the things that you can help people with? Like, for example, let's put it under the the category of chronic pain. Okay. So um, chronic pain, when you're dealing with chronic pain, so most people, when they have chronic pain, they'll go to a a medical professional. Now, there are several limitations to the way... uh, the medical profession treats chronic pain, and I don't mean to diss it. Our medical profession is wonderful in so many ways, but it's a well-known fact that their ability to effectively treat chronic pain is on the low end of the scale. This has been written about many times. New York Times articles, uh, doctors of medicine is say, saying the same thing. So, And, and part of that is because um, they're specialized, so they'll deal with a knee or a hip, but you're, when it comes to chronic pain, that involves all the tissues in your body. You're basically, your body is a, uh, your organs are enveloped in a web of fascia and connective tissue, all of which is interconnected. So if you pull on one part or if one part goes out, it's related to things happening in the rest of the body. So you have to be able to see the whole pattern to uh, correct it. That's one reason that... Uh, it's better to go to a holistic uh, professional or somebody like me who practices uh, um, um, craniosacral therapy. Another issue with chronic pain is that it's related often to habits of use we have, the way we stand, the way we sit, the way we move, whether we stand more on one leg than another. So these are things that are not typically picked up by a medical professional. If you have a knee pain, what's causing the knee pain? Well, it can be because you're leaning into one of your hips too much. So, so uh, being able to see the whole pattern in the body, you can educate a person how to relieve their own chronic pain, and then they've got a long-lasting tool um, for addressing it. And, and the third thing that I want to say about chronic pain is particularly chronic neuromuscular pain and things like headaches and even tinnitus. There, this is very tied into your nervous system, your sympathetic nervous system. So tension leads to emotional tension and mental tension lead to physical tension and physical tension leads to pain. So to, in order to release that, you have to uh, train a person's sympathetic nervous system to downgrade so that uh, they're under less uh, chronic and habitual Stress, and that again is not something that's done by the medical profession. It has to be—you have to be taught how to do that. Would you say that it really comes down to a major factor being emotional challenges, stress, anxiety leads to a lot of this chronic pain that we're talking about? Oh, un- unequivocally, mm. unequivocally, yeah. 
There's, there's no doubt about it. And then we live in a culture, you know, where, uh, you know, our habits of use have become terrible. You know, we sit uh, bent over or, or, you know, even kids these days just holding our, our cell phones. Our posture is all out of alignment, um, you know, and that over time. And then we make constant demands on our mental processes and are looking at a screen all the time. All of that leads to terrible habits of use and susceptibility to headaches, neck pain, back pain, uh, and so on. So, yeah, the combination of emotional and mental stress and then poor habits of use uh, is huge. Wow. What, what's your first thought for somebody uh, going down that road where their health is um, a little bit challenged, they're, they're realizing they're, they're having neck and back pain and things like that, headaches? Um, is it... You know, a session with you obviously is a starting point, but if we're going to look to heal ourselves with help from you, is it just take a look at your environment, what what you're dealing with right now? Yeah, again, uh, it it depends. I mean, if you have, uh, you're asking a complicated question. So, so uh, what I mean by that is, if let's say uh your chronic pain is a result let's say primarily of all the tension in your environment right forget about habits of use so um we are the people who put ourselves in those situations i mean to some extent they're in, uh imposed on us but we also accept them and so the first piece of learning is to begin to recognize when you are actually going into tension and when you are not. I, I remember an episode uh, when I was, you know, in my own healing process where I realized that every time my mother called and she had was very needy uh, towards me, this was when I was in my 30s, every time my mother called, I realized my neck would tighten up. Mm. It took me a long time to recognize that, and I had back pain at that time. And... Uh, so I learned to say, okay, if my neck tightens up, I'm going to get off this call, or I'm going to tell my mother I'll call her back uh, when I'm more rela- when I'm uh, when I have time. And then I would practice relaxing my neck, and then practice being in a more relaxed state when I uh, dialogued with my mother. So there's the piece of recognizing what's causing you tension, which involves a certain amount of internal awareness, and then there's the piece of changing your internal patterns. Wow. <laughs> it's pretty uh it's pretty amazing that you picked up on that um but how that affected you. And I you know, I totally see what you're saying. You know, it's it is a genuinely uh, genuinely a trigger. You know, your mom triggered you in one way yeah. and you reacted to it. Yeah, and and we all have uh you know, that's part of what the body is. Our body is our system of of triggers. You know, most mm. of us are unconscious of our bodily reactions. We just, you know, start feeling pain or start feeling nervous, and we don't even know why, and then we react to it. But our body, um, when you b- become more and more familiar with self-observation, uh, you begin to be able to make conscious choices about where you want to go, and that builds, uh, you know, so we we live in a world with so much chaos and so much constant crisis so everybody's constantly reacting to the tension. And if you're going to change that in personally or socially, you need to be able to step back and say, what's happening inside me? Not what's happening out there, but what's happening inside me? And if I can begin to regulate 
what's happening inside me, then I can also change my environment. Hmm. Great, you know, great uh, leaders are always people who have developed the ability to center themselves so that they can have a consistent internal environment and then they can affect the environment through that. They're not bouncing back and forth reacting to people. Do you feel that, you know, that example that you just gave those leaders, do you feel that they're more effective than, let's say, the average person because they're more in tune with their environment, they're more in tune with their body? I, I, I would say they're definitely more in tune with themselves, with their body, with their mental, emotional, and physical processes, and they definitely have more mastery over that. So then they can, like, most of us are bouncing around most of the time, you yeah. know? So they can uh, determine a direction that they want to go in, and they can stay stable with it, you know? So you think about the person who's able to calm a crowd or the person who's able to negotiate effectively and keep uh, his colleagues on his side while he negotiates. Well, that kind of person has to be able to deal with a lot of conflict in a way where he doesn't react. He recognizes, he responds, but he doesn't react. And um, so the, the ability, having that kind of internal strength um, is something you, you learn and develop if you're interested in it. If you're interested in really uh, taking any kind of charge of your life, you have to develop that kind of strength. Do you think that comes from trial and error, where they just have the, the epiphany, the aha moment, like, where, you know, whoa, I got a lot going on here and uh, I need to dig in or talk to somebody like Ingrid. Do you think it, it, those people do the same stuff that we do, but they just they took action? I, I think that uh, you have to have, um, I'm not, I could use the word ambition, but I don't really mean that. I think that you have to have an internal drive towards uh, being the best you can for yourself, not for other people but for yourself, to being the, achieving the best you can for yourself, you know, whether that's being a great musician um, or a great teacher, um, uh, not, being, not, not reflecting on letting go of approval or perception from other people and determining inwardly what you think is really important and then bringing that out into the world. You have to have, and, and, you know, for a lot of people, that's an issue of, that's related to uh, having faith of some kind. You know, a mm. lot of people are, are, um, who, who, who manage a lot, it's because they have a, a kind of internal faith, whether it's a sense of destiny or a sense of providence or a sense of, uh, you know, um, uh, the importance of loving kindness to themselves or others, um, uh, so, so those things can really matter. Certainly a lot of the, the religious traditions in, in their best uh, form are traditions which stress wisdom, peace, and compassion. And those, are, those are, are traits that are built. They're not given to us. They're built. They're learned. Mm. And they're learned by making them more important than other things. And the, people, the reason people learn them is because basically they feel better inwardly um, when they're in, in those places. So, um, you know, there was a great teacher named Vivekananda who said, uh, if you want to be extremely selfish, then be selfless. Selfless. <laughs> you know, what he, what he meant by that 
was you get the highest reward when you're not uh, com- when you're not seeing your own ego is most important. You're seeing a vision or a mission or uh, a solution to world problems or to social problems or to personal problems with, with family. You're seeing a solution that is beneficial for everybody as, um, as the most rewarding for yourself. Because if you don't, uh, we're wandering a little bit of field here, but if you don't, you're always going to be in conflict with people. Well, wouldn't it be nice not to be in conflict? Oh, sure. Or conflict with yourself because... Or in conflict with yourself. Yeah, internally, something's not jiving with your environment and you're always going to feel off. Something's not right. I don't know what it is. It just doesn't, you know, I'm not... It it could even come down to whatever your life purpose is. You know, you're doing one thing, but there's something else inside of you. Oh, really, really true. Yeah. You haven't identified it yet. discovering that in itself is a a big journey. Uh, You know, my, my stepfather, I'll just mention this, uh, was a very successful uh, historian, um, and I, I remember, and, and he was also very proud of this, and I remember um, he, he died of, of cancer, and I was one of the last people uh, who was able to hear him muttering as he was dying. I lay on the bed with him in the hospital room, and he was always very kind of egotistical and proud of his work, and you know what he was saying? He was saying, it's all been just busyness. None of it matters. Mm. What a terrible thing to realize on your dead, deathbed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that was a wake-up call. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, and I, I, I think we'll end on that note because we're, we're at that time. But you are available to help. Yeah, let me just give you my um, my email, my um, website. Sure. Uh, my name is Ingrid Bacci, B-A-C-C-I, and my website is uh, ingridbacci.com, no spaces. Uh, and you're welcome to find out more about me on my website or contact me via email. Uh, I'm giving. I'm going to be starting up a, an educational podcast series. If you're interested in that, you can contact me and let me know. And it's a pleasure talking with you, Steve. And I look forward to our next session. Yeah. Uh, Ingrid, pleasure talking with you. Always learn so much. I just want to remind everybody, Bocci is B-A-C-C-I. Ingrid, Bocci, B-A-C-C-I. And just what you said before, stop being busy and start living. (laughs) Okay. That's what it comes down to. Uh, Looking forward next week uh, when we get a chance to talk again. Okay. Thanks, Steve. Bye-bye. Thank you. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I liked things to always be the same. Anything new or different would scare and upset me. I was very sensitive to lights and sounds. It was almost like I had bigger eyes and ears than everyone else. So I built secret hiding places where nothing could get in. I didn't like looking people in the eye. It made me feel uncomfortable. I'd throw big tantrums over little things like when my socks didn't match. Sometimes I'd do the same things over and over until one day I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. You can see signs of autism in children as young as 18 months. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council.